Good morning, everyone. I'd like to wish you all a very, very happy Sabbath. Now, I'd like to imagine that you're driving along the road in a car. Not any car, you're in Dayan's car. Now, I want you to... Dan, what do you drive at the moment? A Mini. A Mini? No, you don't. Do you? Yeah. You drive a Mini? Yeah. You've got a new car? Yeah, I do. Right. You're driving along the road in Dayan's Mini, and it goes slightly a tad over the speed limit. Now, I was going to say, a Mini would certainly do that. Is it a Mini Cooper or a Mini? Mini. Right, it's going along the road, it's going slightly over 70, and Diane and you suddenly see in the rear mirror a blue light that is flashing. All right, the blue light comes by, pulls Diane over, and the officer comes and stands by the door, and he says to Diane, who do you think you are? Now, what name might he give? If it was my generation, it would be a name that you may not have heard of. Peter may have done. Peter, who would it have been? Yes. Now, many of you won't know of Sterling Moss. He was a racing driver back in the 1960s, probably. All right. No, no, 60s, I think. All right. Who do you think you were, Sterling Moss? Now, you don't know of Sterling Moss. So, in the 80s, 90s, it would have been Nigel Mansell. Last year, it would have been... Lewis Hamilton. Who would it have been this year? Yeah, you're right, of course. He won the World Championship Formula One last Sunday. He is now the man, fastest driver, etc. We love celebration of success. We love celebrities. And rightly so, he's done great. But the trouble is, in our society today, we take people and we put them on a pinnacle that they can never live up to. You will see it happen with many people, often it's sporting stars, sometimes it is uh, singers, it may be celebrities from the world of film or screen. And they become little demigods in many ways, and a whole industry spawns off it, and there are huge endorsements that go with it. People pick up their OK and Hello magazines and you read everything that's going on. When their career begins to go down, you'll find them on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, or other things like that. I want to introduce to you today somebody that we will never be disappointed in. And of course you know that is Jesus. I remember some words that were spoken at a meeting like this. In fact it was a week of prayer and I've always remembered it because the speaker spoke the same words every time. We're living in a time when centuries are compressed into a few short years. Names of great men appear on the horizon, flicker for a moment, and then are lost in a sea of forgetfulness. But there is one name that grows brighter with every passing day, and that is the name of Jesus. Now I wish celebrities, Jensen Button, every success, but all of our success, whoever we are, will be very short. But the name of Jesus grows brighter in every passing day. Now, I want to introduce Jesus in a picture. There was a song, um, and it's been sung by many people. You may well remember it. It's called If, and I, I just copied from the internet the words down. We'll probably need the lights off to, to do this. If a picture paints a thousand words, then why can't I paint you? The words will never show the you I've come to know. Now in case you cannot see the picture here, I've given you a copy. 
You've got a copy on your uh, seats, and it's this picture here. And it's called Jesus, the Way of Life. If we can just, I don't know if we can put anything off over here or not. You may not see that very well, but it's the same picture. And you've got there in the center, Jesus. But to, this is a, thank you, that's well done. This is a remarkable picture because it tells the story of salvation. It tells the story of paradise lost to paradise regained in one picture. If you look at that picture there, or if you look at the one you've got in front of you, if you look to one side, which is it faces you as the left-hand side, you see Eden. And you see there the picture of the angel and two people leaving the garden. Sin came into the world. Adam and Eve had to leave the garden of Eden. We can only imagine what that would have been like. But if you see that picture and look at the one you have, you will see there is a shadow of the cross that has been drawn. And in the shadow of the cross, there are different things happening. You will see a scene. There is um, somebody running away, a man lying down in the, um, there in the uh, shadow of the cross. And you see Cain and Abel. You get the idea of a sacrifice. Because there the next picture is a high priest and a man kneeling in front of a lamb that was to be slain. This is showing the story of salvation. Although sin entered the world, the shadow of the cross was always there. And whatever happened pointed to the coming Messiah. And that's why the cross in the center is the cross of that man whose name grows brighter with every passing day. Now what I've been asked to talk on in this Advent season, I've been asked to talk on is the prophecies that pointed to Jesus from the Old Testament. And in that picture you find on one side the Old Testament story. On the other side you will find the New Testament story. You have baptism, you have communion, and you have the second coming. That's why I love this picture. The whole story of mankind is in that one picture with Jesus to the forefront. And so I want to introduce Jesus, the way of life. You see, if you look through the scriptures, and uh, we had read to us from the book of Romans, in the New Testament, when they appealed back to the life of Jesus, they talked about his claims as Messiah, his messiahship, through two things. One was his resurrection, the other were the messianic prophecies that pointed to the Messiah. You see, this book is a tremendous book. In this book, we find the story of salvation from paradise lost to paradise regained. The picture there is the picture of this book. And in the story, you will find the Old Testament prophets talking of one who was to come. The anointed one, he's sometimes called. The Messiah. The Messiah who was to come, the shadow of the cross was there. Salvation was given from the very beginning. You know, the Old Testament was written over a, probably a 1,500 per, year period. It was four centuries before the coming of Christ. And yet there were very specific things that were written about the Messiah that were all fulfilled in the life of that man, Jesus, on the cross. Now this is remarkable. It, it is amazing. 
There are over 300 references in this book, in the Old Testament, before Jesus came to the Messiah. All of them were fulfilled in the life of Jesus. There were 60 major prophecies, 60 major ones, all fulfilled. Now, we know many of them. We, we talk about them, we celebrate them at Christmas. In this Advent season, it will culminate with the Christmas time, the birth of our Lord. And we know many from Isaiah 7.14. And we know um, how it talks about the virgin will be uh, with child and will give birth. And she, we will call him Emmanuel or God with us. You will know of Micah 5 verse 2 that he will be born in out of you, Bethlehem Ephrata, will come forth a saviour. We will find others in Isaiah 40 verse 3 when it talks about he would be preceded by a messenger. And I could quote many, many more and you could begin to look them up. All of those were fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Is that accident or is it design? Well, you and I know it certainly was no accident. It was design. Some people, though, will say, well, it could have happened by chance. One of my favourite uh, calculations or stories comes from a book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And in that book... Um, the writer, Josh McDowell, quotes a scientist. In fact, he's a man who works with numbers and probability. And this man, Peter Stoner, wrote in a magazine, Science Speaks. And he took just eight prophecies. Eight. I told you there are 60 major ones. He took eight specific ones dealing with the birth and the resurrection of Jesus. And he said, what's the chance that just eight could come true by accident, by just happening? And he worked it out on a science of probability. And the science of probability came to 10 to the power of 17. Now, I'm no mathematician, and that scrambles my mind. That's 10 followed by 17 noughts. And you have to admit, that's a big figure. One chance in 10 to the power of 17 of just eight prophecies coming true. And yet they all did. And then he said, well, look, understand this. He said, if you took 10 to the power of 17 silver coins, you may have heard this story. And he said, if you laid them, just to get a picture, that number, all over the state of Texas, they would cover the state two feet deep. Now, Texas is twice the big as Britain, as any American would tell you. So it would cover Britain four foot deep. All right. He then said, take one coin, mark it with a cross, stir the whole mass thoroughly, blindfold somebody and he has to drop it in that amount. Then the person who is blindfolded has to go. Uh, sorry, the first man just dropped it. The second one who was blindfolded had to go and he had to pick it up first time. One silver coin, four foot deep, the whole of our country. He would have as much chance as picking up the right coin as one to the power of 10 to 17. In other words, we would say there is no chance, no man blindfolded could ever pick up one silver coin mark over the whole mass of a country. It's impossible. And he was trying to show the point that it would be impossible for all those prophecies to come true just by accident in the life of one person. And yet they did. That's why I love looking at this picture. But you see, it's not just a picture, because it's the person 
that we want to know. The Christ that I have come to know. The Bible is even more remarkable. You can pick out time. If you have your Bible, turn to Daniel chapter 9. And many of you will know the, the prophecies in the book of Daniel. You have great time prophecies of Daniel 8 and Daniel chapter 9. And they begin to give numbers and times. And you will find 2,300 days and you will find 70 weeks. And you begin to pick out prophecy and time. The Bible foretold when this was to happen. It wasn't by accident. And it happened on time. And we know Daniel 9 and verse 24 to 27. And I will just read that briefly. It's something we're going to have to go back and study and look at because it's very specific. But Daniel 9 verse, um, I'll, I'll start in verse 23. An angel comes to Daniel. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I've now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you begin to pray, an answer was given, which I have come to tell you for you are highly esteemed. Therefore consider the message and understand the vision. He's been given a vision. Seventy-sevens are declared for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the Most High. Very interesting what is there. Then the angel, which is Gabriel, says, No one understand this from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, a very specific point, until the anointed one, the Messiah, um, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. And then it says it will be rebuilt and the streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the sixty-two sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. And if you go on, you will find he would be cut off in the midst of a week. Now, it's fascinating to study this. It takes time. The Bible deserves to be studied. And when you begin to look at this, you can actually find a start date for an old prophecy. Ancient words, ever true. You see, the start date is given there of a date to rebuild a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. And without going into too much detail, I've got charts here that I've used when I have been working as a minister, and it begins to tell you when the start date would be. And I know you can't all see that, but there is a date there, 457 BC. It was a decree of King Artaxerxes to rebuild the temple. And then if you begin to work forward, 70 times 7, that's 490. 490. And if you understand the Bible and you look at what a year and a day means, the year and a day, 490 years, it comes and pinpoints 7 weeks, 62 weeks. And then in the midst of the week, an anointed one, a Messiah, would be cut off. Now we need to look at that. Because in the midst of the week, according to the time prophecy, prophesied many, many years before, Jesus came. Jesus lived his ministry. And in AD 31, in the midst of that time period, he died. Exactly according to prophecy. 
Now that is absolutely outstanding. People today look and see what's happening in the world are scared. People today look and say, what's happening to this world? Who is control of this world? Recently I was out in Latvia and I was working with a group on, um, on the streets, a group of young people. We were doing one of our relay evangelism programs from the Trans-European Division. And we went on the streets with a questionnaire and we asked that question, who do you think is con in control of this world? And they had they give answers, a politician or um, Satan or God. And, and people answered and most of them hadn't got a clue who was in control, what was happening. What was happening to this world? But the Bible has pinpointed exactly what is happening. Jesus came when the time was right. He fulfilled what was there. Daniel 9.24 is ever new, ever real. It needs to be heard. Because it doesn't just say 77s are decreed, but it tells us what they're decreed for. For your people and your holy city, and to the finished transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness. That's prophesied. It happened exactly on time. Jesus was the anointed one, the Messiah. He fulfilled all righteousness. Just as we know that is true, and it happened, we can then look at the rest of the picture, and that's not for the Advent season, but it's the whole picture of paradise lost, the paradise regained, and it's here in this book. And then you will see what happened. You will see Jesus was baptised. His disciples met in remembrance of him, as we do, and the promise of the coming Saviour. And I like the way it's portrayed in the picture that I gave you, because you can actually see the city there, the New Jerusalem. Who is in control of this world? This man is our Lord and Saviour. Everything was decreed. Salvation came. Everything was in the shadow of the cross. But we live this side. We live the side after the cross. Jesus has died for our sins that we might live. And there we have the symbols that are still in the Bible, that are real for each of us. Baptism, communion, the coming Saviour. If you have your sheet, turn to the second page, because I've given you a sheet there with a diagram. And it says Jesus claims to be God. Let's just work that through. It says there are two alternatives. In the very short time that I have, I have given you an insight, a brief look at prophecy. That pointed to Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus claimed to be God. He said, I am a great claim. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus claimed to be God. If you look at that sheet, there are two alternatives. On the one side, his claims were false. That is possible. You have two alternatives. He knew his claims were false. Therefore, he deliberately uh, made a misrepresentation. A liar, a hypocrite, a demon, or a fool, because he died for it. Or he did not know his claims were false. He was deluded, and therefore we may say, a lunatic. But if you look at the other side, the other alternative is, and that is what we are sharing, 
and that we know to be true, Jesus claims were true. He was the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He came, he died, and will come again. If that is true, he is Lord. And then we have two alternatives. And that's our choice. We can either accept or we can reject. I find that quite persuasive, quite powerful. I like looking at that. I like looking at this picture. To me, this is a fascinating picture. It's actually Ellen White was the one that had this reproduced many years ago. And she put Christ there at the very centre. Christ, the way of your life and my life. Let me go back to that, um, that song. If a picture paints a thousand words, well, I believe this picture does. Then why can't I paint you? The words will never show the you I've come to know. Well, I want to take that last bit there, the you I've come to know. The you that we need to come to know is Jesus, our Lord and our Saviour. Because he died for you and I. It was foretold. The shadow of the cross pointed to, the, to Jesus. The rest of the picture points to our decision. And the only decision that I believe makes sense for me is that we are living in a time when centuries are compressed into a few short years. Names of great men, whoever they are, may flicker for a moment, but then they are lost in a sea of forgetfulness. But there is one name that grows brighter in every passing day. And that most surely is the name of Jesus. Not just in this Advent season, but during the Advent season, may we reflect on what it means to us. What it means to us to be a Christian. What it means to us to be a Seventh-day Adventist follower of Jesus. What it means to us to have Jesus as the Lord of our life. What difference does it make? How do we live and act? Because I believe, as I believe that we all do, that this picture is timeless. And we have a part to play. May we be found amongst the group that are waiting for our Lord's return. And the Bible ends by saying, surely he is coming soon. God bless you.